Hello everyone, this is A Minder. In today's episode, we'll talk about papers published in September 2020 that focus on Alzheimer's disease-associated protein, tau, and its pathology. My name is Alyssa. I'm currently doing my PhD at the University of British Columbia, studying neurogenesis and hippocampal circuit vulnerability, specifically to early tau pathology. So I'm very excited to delve into this latest work with you all. If any of these studies interest you, be sure to check out our bibliography. After listening to the episode, the papers will be numbered in order, so just remember that the number stated for the paper that you'd want to look up. Welcome to Aminder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. Alright, so let's get started. We have 15 abstracts in today's episode. So first up, a section on tau aggregation and phosphorylation, as well as other post-translational modifications. And this will cover 13 papers. And then following that, we have a section on tau-mediated pathology with two papers. In this first section, we'll review some papers that will cover tau protein modifications. So a key feature in the pathogenesis of Alzheimer's disease is post-translational modifications that alter protein structure. And these can be affected by genetic mutations, exposure to toxins, protein-to-protein interactions. And so these papers I'll discuss will talk about the variety of ways that protein structure can be altered to then create the toxic aggregates and uh, pathology we see in disease. So uh, let's dive into some of this work. First up, I have a paper titled Fibrillation and Molecular Characteristics are Coherent with Clinical and Pathological Features of 4-Repeat Tauopathy Caused by the Mapped Variant G273R. And this is by authors, first author Sandberg, last author Mock, published in the journal Neurobiology of Disease. So this study focuses on a mutation in tau, a mutation named G273R, which was found by exome sequencing in a patient with dementia and Parkinson's and it's linked to proteopathic aggregation of tau. So to examine this mutation, the present study used molecular biophysics with in vitro and drosophila models of the mutation, and they found that this mutation led to greater aggregation of four repeat tau and altered the binding affinity towards microtubules and F-actin. Also, seeding of four repeat tau in vitro caused late-onset tauopathy, similar to tauopathy seen in progressive supranuclear palsy and cortical basal degeneration, and the authors conclude that this mutation could thus be a target for treatment in these conditions, and also uses a genetic biomarker to identify these diseases early on pre-symptom onset. It's very interesting work. And up next, now we have article name, methioinine-mediated protein phosphatase 2A catalytic subunit methylation ameliorates the tauopathy induced by manganese in cell and animal models. Sorry if that was hard to follow. First author is Wu, last author is uh, Lu, and it was published in the Journal of Neurotherapeutics. So this study is focusing on exposure to manganese, which is a metal used for a variety of physiological processes in human tissue. Exposures to high amounts of it have been linked to Alzheimer-like cognitive impairment and neurotoxicity, but unfortunately that mechanism behind this isn't well understood, and there are no uh, interventions in existence. So the author 
authors were examining a recently identified therapeutic target, a tau phosphatase called protein phosphatase 2A, and this protein acts according to the methylation status of one of its subunits, and it's known that the amino acid methionine is involved in methylation pathways as a methyl donor, so it could act as a neuroprotective agent. So using cell and rodent models, the study shows that manganese-induced neurotoxicity involves demethylation of that previously mentioned tau phosphatase, and that low levels of a methionine metabolite in the hippocampus is likely determinant of the loss of methylation seen. So to support this principle, the authors supplemented the rats with methionine and found this treatment effectively prevented tau hyperphosphorylation and reduced apoptosis and memory deficits. They conclude that methylation of this tau phosphatase could be a novel treatment target uh, for manganese poisoning and neurotoxic tauopathies. Definitely another interesting study and I'd be curious to know what leads to manganese poisoning and overexposure in our tissue. So I'm sure that'll be an ongoing area of research. All right, third paper up is titled Phosphorylated Full-Length Tau Interacts with 14-33 Proteins via two short phosphorylated sequences, each occupying a binding groove of 14-33 dimer. And this is published in the journal FEBS, or Federation of European Biochemical Societies. And the first author is Neve. And last author, Landrieu. All right, so this study is examining protein-to-protein interactions as a target for treatment in Alzheimer's disease. When tau is phosphorylated by the enzyme PKA, several phosphorylation sites are generated, including two known binding sites for the proteins called 14-3-3. These proteins are regulatory proteins, uh, and they're found in all of our cells, and structural data is currently lacking for full-length tau protein and for the complex that is created with peptides and that protein 14-3-3. So the authors used a variety of biophysical techniques to characterize the stoichiometry, a word I haven't heard in a while, and uh, the binding affinity to the protein. They go on to characterize tau uh, complexes with the 14-3-3 proteins, but please see the paper itself for greater methodology and results if you're interested. Um, This work is contributing to the unveiling of protein-to-protein interactions and providing analysis that could be useful for future drug discovery work targeting these interactions. All right, moving on. My fourth paper of the episode is titled Extensive Plasmid Library to Prepare Tau Protein Variants and Study Their Functional Biochemistry by first author Kikari, last author Moffat, published in the journal ACS Chemical Neuroscience. Here the researchers generated sequence-verified plasmids to address the need for well-characterized plasmids uh, to study the structure and function of tau. So they've created plasmids encoding full-length tau, its four-repeat microtubule binding fragment, and familiar pathological variants. And they developed protocols for producing representative tau forms and studied aggregation of the triple cysteine-modified tau, called K18, which is commonly used to study cell internalization and aggregation. Altogether, this study provides a plasmid library and protein production protocols, as well as characterization of cysteine aggregation. Uh, And all this can aid in the future research on tau structure and function and how this protein is uh, forming aggregates under pathological conditions. 
It's important work for future studies looking at tau structure and its function under normal healthy conditions as well as under diseased states. Moving on to our fifth paper, it is titled Terminal Capping of an Amyloidogenic Tau Fragment Modulates Its Fibrillation Propensity. This by first author Aria, last author Bowers, published in the Journal of Physical Chemistry. So it's been found that misfolding of the protein amyloid can be attributed to fragments of the large protein, also known as peptides, can be used to model the full amyloid protein. An important consideration is the charge on the terminals of these peptides um, when we're looking at fragments of the larger protein. And so the current study examined the effect of modifying the terminal charges by capping the peptide at either one of the ends or both and explored the effect on aggregation of an amyloidogenic peptide from tau protein. And what they found is that this greatly changes the fibrillation of the sequence from repeat 3 of tau, such that aggregation was increased simply based on changes in the charge on the terminals. And this study provides evidence that terminal modifications affect how peptide fragments aggregate. Uh, So this is going to be an important consideration when studying peptides in place of a full-length tau protein. And next up, sixth paper of the episode, titled Phosphorylated Tau Interactome in the Human Alzheimer's Disease Brain by first author Drummond, last author Wisinowski, and this is published in Brain. When studying the accumulation of phosphorylated tau and its resulting pathology, the examination of the surrounding proteins um, that are interacting with phosphorylated or p-tau uh, has been lacking. So this current paper aimed to study the interacting proteins, um, and this is called the phosphorylated tau interactome. First, using quantitative proteomics, the analyzed samples from neurofibrillary tangles that were micro-dissected from advanced stage Alzheimer's disease patients. And second, they use affinity purification mass spectrometry to identify proteins specifically binding to the p-tau. And this approach identified 75 proteins present in the tangles. So 29 were already previously associated with p-tau and that validated the their proteomic quantification. Uh, it also revealed 34 proteins known to interact with regular tau protein, but uh, had not previously been associated with phosphorylated tau. So they showed that connection for the first time in this study with those 34 proteins. And then they also identified 12 novel proteins not previously associated with tau, which is an exciting find that could provide new targets for tauopathy therapies. And moving up to our seventh paper, we will take a break after this one. Uh, The title of this one is Alzheimer's Disease Risk Modifier Genes Do Not Affect Tau Aggregate Uptake, Seeding, or Maintenance in Cell Models. First author, Cole, last author, Diamond, published in Feb's Open Biology. So the pathological spreading of tau involves propagation by a process called seeding, where tau aggregates are taken up by connecting cells and they act as a template for replication to further their spread. So these researchers used HEC293T cells to model this spreading and analyze the uptake of tau aggregates and seeding, specifically seeding that was caused by lipofectamine-mediated delivery into the cell interior. So a side note, lipofectamine-mediated delivery is a lipid-based transfection process, and this is commonly used in cell culture to introduce mRNA or proteins themselves into cells. 
risk. So the genetic factors at play for aggregation and seeding are not well known, and the authors here used CRISPR technology to individually knock down Alzheimer's risk genes in the HEC293T cells and assess if any directly affect tau aggregation. The results show no effect in the cell model of tau pathology from any of the, the knockdown genes, and this implies that the Alzheimer's risk genes are unlikely to modulate tau seeding or aggregation directly. Since the majority of Alzheimer's disease cases aren't linked to gene mutations, and they're called sporadic Alzheimer's disease instead, the work implies that tau seeding and aggregation is not directly linked to the Alzheimer's risk genes that were studied here. All right, we've covered about half of our papers for today's episode. Let's take a quick break and digest some of this information. Hey listeners, I'm here to let you know Aminder is recruiting. If you're interested in joining us, shoot us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Enjoy the rest of the episode. And welcome back. We have eight more abstracts to cover for today's episode on tau pathology. Up next, our eighth paper is titled Differential Effects of Putative and Glycosylation Sites in Human Tau on Alzheimer's Disease-Related Neurodegeneration. And this is by first author Losev, last author Sigal, published in Cellular Molecular Life Science. So the current study is diving into post-translational modifications that are creating the toxicity of tau protein. And the current study examines uh, glycosylation of tau, um, specifically N-glycosylation, which has been found in Alzheimer's disease brain tissue and linked to facilitating phosphorylation and then aggregation of tau. The authors identify which specific tau residues have an effect on tau pathology under N-glycosylation using high-performance liquid chromatography and math spectrometry, and they find that specific sites will modulate the levels of tau phosphorylation and worsen neurodegeneration. So definitely check out the paper for more detail if you're interested in learning about the binding sites susceptible to abnormal post-translational modifications. Now moving on to our ninth paper. This one is titled Aluminum and Neurofibrillary Tangle Colocalization in Familial Alzheimer's Disease and Related Neurological Disorders. First author name is Mold, last author Exley, and this was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. So this paper is diving into aluminum exposure. This is maybe something you you've heard a bit about before. I was kind of a circulating myth back in the day that aluminum foil could lead to Alzheimer's disease and uh, it's toxic. And it turns out it's not entirely a myth. So science has shown that aluminum exposure is linked to neurodegenerative diseases. And specifically, recent work has been showing that in the familial Alzheimer's disease, amyloid beta will co-localize with aluminum in brain tissue. So the current study wanted to examine if aluminum deposits coincide with neurofibrillary tangles across different disease states. So it was including familial Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, and epilepsy. And they did this study in human brain tissue with fluorescence microscopy. And the study showed that across all the diseases studied, aluminum co-localized with neurofibrillary tangles. And they concluded the presence of aluminum in cells may worsen accumulation and misfolding of hyperphosphorylated tau. So based 
based on these results, we can't conclusively say anything about aluminum exposure from within the environment. So what we just know from this is that there are deposits in our brain tissue under these diseases with that coincide with the hyperphosphorylated tau and amyloid beta. All right, next up, our 10th paper is titled Modeling Tau Transport in the Axon Initial Segment by first and last author Kuznetsov. This was published in Math Biosciences. And this paper was published in a, a Math Bioscience Journal because it's demonstrating a new exciting model, a mathematical model for studying tau transport in the along the axon. And it's the first paper to the author's knowledge to use mathematical modeling to examine the transport and binding of tau. By using model predictions from experimental results and fitting the model to the kinetics of transport, and specifically the axon initial segment, this current study assessed the binding of free tau to microtubules and analyzed the diffusion-driven transport of tau from the soma to the axon initial segment, and the results show a negative gradient forming from the free tau in the axon segment, and this is driving transport into the axon. And then they conclude that the axon segment is working as a type of pump to move tau proteins anterogradely. So it's very interesting work showing a way to put this data to a model that can allow us to predict the diffusion. All right, moving on, our 11th paper is titled ATP kinetically modulates pathogenic tau fibrillations. And this is published in the journal ACS Chemical Neuroscience. First author Keo, last author Kim. So as many studies will focus on the aggregation of tau and its effects in diseases, the importance of understanding the etiology of aggregation is paramount. So the current study examines ATP, found in cytosol, as a catalyst for tau fibrillation. They find that ATP attracts lysine residues along for repeat tau, forming dimers that accelerate fibril growth. The authors use multiple biophysical approaches, including mass spectrometry, small angle x-ray scattering, and molecular dynamic simulations to study the influence of ATP on tau structural changes and fibrillation. That was a brief overview of that paper, so if you're interested, definitely go check her out. Moving on, our 12th paper is titled RPS23RG1 modulates tau phosphorylation and axon outgrowth, regulating P35 proteasomal degradation. By first author Zhao, last author Zhang, published in the journal Cell Death and Differentiation. All right, so since tauopathies are diseases of neurodegeneration that feature both axon and synaptic impairment, tau proteins are uh, important for microtubule stability in the neuron, and too much of uh, phosphorylation of these proteins causes instability, leading to degeneration. So the enzymes that are phosphorylating the proteins, called kinases, are playing an important role. So the protein of interest in this study is titled RPS23RG1, a transmembrane protein linked to Alzheimer's disease, but its role in healthy and abnormal physiology is not well understood. So in the current study, the researchers examined mice that did not have this gene, and they found that there are increased levels of particular kinase that increases phosphorylation of tau proteins, and they also found impaired axon growth. So then the researchers tried overexpressing this gene in uh, transgenic mice that already had excessive phosphorylation of tau protein, and when this gene was overexpressed, they found that it reduced tau phosphorylation and improved the axonal 
defects. So these findings suggest that increasing the expression of this transmembrane protein could reduce the amount of tau phosphorylation and axon impairments seen in neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's. All right, so next up is our 13th paper, and this title is a bit dense, so definitely look it up if you are curious in the bibliography. So the title is Long Non-Coding RNA 00507-microRNA-181C-5P slash TTBK1 slash MAPT, or MAPT, AXI regulates tau hyperphosphorylation in Alzheimer's disease. And the first author is and last author, Fu, published in the Journal of Gene Medicine. All right, so first of all, some background. Long, long intergenic non-coding RNAs have modulating effects on gene expression. And one such RNA is called LINK00507. But for simplicity in the summary, we'll call it RNA5507. So microRNAs are short non-coding RNAs that also impact gene expression. One such microRNA is called MIR181C5P, which is the microRNA of interest in this study, and I'll refer to it as the microRNA in this summary. So this study is investigating the role of the RNA 507 in tau protein phosphorylation in a mouse model, as well as in a cell model of Alzheimer's disease. So using real-time quantitative PCR, the researchers find that there is a significant elevation of RNA 507 in the hippocampus and cerebral cortex of the mice, as well as in their cell model. RNA 507 can bind the microRNA and therefore affect tau protein expression in vitro and in vivo. And so the current study concludes that the regulatory role of RNA 507 could be a novel basis for treatment strategies in Alzheimer's. And with that, uh, it wraps up our section on protein aggregation and phosphorylation. Moving on, we will cover the topic of tau-mediated pathology. We have two papers revolving around the enzyme glycogen synthase kinase 3B, or 3-beta, and I'll call it GSK3-beta. So 14th paper, titled Tau Phosphorylation by Glycogen Synthase Kinase 3-beta Modulates Enzyme Acetylcholinesterase Expression. First author, Cortez Gomez. Last author, Garcia Alion. Published in the Journal of Neurochemistry. So the enzyme acetylcholinesterase is found to co-localize with hyperphosphorylated tau in Alzheimer's, and specifically in human brain tissue, and this co-localizes with neurofibrillary tangles. So the authors of the present study examined if modulated phosphorylated tau levels and the enzyme GSK3-beta would influence the enzyme acetylcholinesterase activity. So using SHSY5Y, or sushi cells, they found that higher levels of phosphorylated tau was linked to increases in acetylcholinesterase activity and levels. As well, they measured this activity in cerebrospinal fluid from Alzheimer's disease patients enrolled in a clinical trial of a drug that inhibits glycogen synthase kinase 3-beta, and they found that those on the placebo had increased acetylcholinesterase activity compared to basal levels than those on the inhibitor. So they conclude that phosphorylated tau can modulate acetylcholinesterase activity and exacerbate the pathology 
of Alzheimer's. And this is a, an interesting result contributing to knowledge on some novel treatment targets in disease. All right, our final paper, the 15th paper of today's episode is titled Overexpression of GSK3 Beta in Adult Tet-Off GSK3 Beta Transgenic Mice and Not During embryonic or postnatal development induces tau phosphorylation, neurodegeneration, and learning deficits. This is by author, first author Rodriguez Matayan, and last author Hernandez, published in the journal Frontiers Molecular Neuroscience. So a common mouse model of Alzheimer's disease will overexpress GSK3 beta, which then leads to tau hyperphosphorylation, neural death, and microgliosis. Uh, and these transgenic models induce overexpression of the kinase from birth. So to determine if this pat- model has pathology due to adaptations occurring during early development, the authors used a gene control system, the TET-OFF system, a conditional gene control system that will assess GSK3 beta activity only during adulthood uh, via suppression with doxycycline treatment early in life. They find that the GSK3 beta overexpression during adulthood still leads to tau hyperphosphorylation, the cell death, and microgliosis, and cognitive deficits that uh, we see in that mouse model. So they're demonstrating that the GSK3 beta is playing a role in the Alzheimer's pathology, no matter if the gene is on early in life or later, and any data from previous studies using transgenic models that overexpress this enzyme, that data can be attributed to high levels of the enzyme itself and not adaptations during development. Personally, I found this study very interesting. Uh, I've studied how pathology and its cognitive effects. The current study was using memory tests called novel object recognition, and that was a way to assess memory impairment in their mice. And this is a task that's used commonly in Alzheimer's studies, uh, and I use it myself in my research. And it's used because it's analogous to what we see in human patients early on in Alzheimer's disease. There are deficits specifically in identifying objects and remembering objects, uh, location and names and other types of semantic processing. And this early deficit can be used as a diagnostic tool in identifying stages of Alzheimer's disease uh, early on. And with that, it brings us to the end of the episode on tau protein expression and pathology. As a reminder, each episode comes with bibliography section. So for more details, be sure to check out that with the episode notes. And I'd like to thank the Aminder team. Huge thanks to Ellen for reviewing and Lara for editing this episode. A big shout out to Anusha Kamesh for her music and also helping edit this. You can find her on SoundCloud or on YouTube under AK Music. For updates on our podcast, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And if you're interested in joining our team, send us an email with your CV or reach out to us on social media. All right. And I hope you found this podcast episode useful and interesting and helped you stay up to date with the current research in the field. So thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time.